Hello everyone, it's GM Rex, and this is episode 12 of GM Rex's World, and even though I'm not exactly feeling 100% today, this episode will still be absolutely Anyways, so yeah, I'm shortening that from now on because I listened to last week's episode for a little bit, and I noticed that the song got chopped up into bits. And I think that's because of a WWE thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to be playing the whole thing. I'm just going to play. And pretty much that's it. <laughs> um, so, there's a lot to talk about this week. Mainly because my favorite pay-per-view happened. That And it always will be my favorite. You know, WrestleMania, sure, it's WrestleMania. But, you know, there's just something so special about the Royal Rumble that, you know, it's just, it's such good shit. And, uh, <laughs> that's always been my favorite. The surprises... The shocking eliminations. Someone's road to WrestleMania begins. I mean, it's it's the first pay per view of the new year, and it's just magic, you know. Like they, the day they ever drop the Royal Rumble, is the day I lose all faith in WWE. And, oh boy, there's a lot to talk about, but believe it or not, there was some figure pickups. I did manage to um, get my hands on a couple things. Um, so, uh, let's see. I'm not sure how I want to start into this, because I've been talking about it the last few episodes... I wanted to start a Star Wars line, but man, I was really confused on where to start, or what line, this and that, um, I even considered the Legos, because I, I know they'll always make new Lego sets, and they'll always re-release all the old stuff, like there'll always be a new Millennium Falcon, a new Death Star, you know, they'll make all of them over and over and over again because they'll add more parts, different characters, different molds of the characters, and um, just so many cool different possibilities. But then I, look, I think about it and it's like, I'd have all those ships and if they fell apart, I would just, ugh. Um... So Legos is definitely not a good idea. Um, but then I started thinking about it. I was at Big Lots. And they got like $4 figures. Their waists move. Their heads move. And their arms move. And um, so I figured. <laughs> I figured. Um, I So I decided. I was like, well, you know, a Star Wars line is a Star Wars line. Take whatever you can get for whatever characters. So, like, yeah, I'll check Dollar General, 
family dollar big lots and i'm thinking about collecting just the figures that they sell there you know like they sell marvel stuff batman stuff i know what you're saying well batman's dc but they don't have like dc it's only batman characters that i've noticed like i have the joker um but i'm thinking about picking up the batman and the robin and the nightwing and you know these sets are kind of easier to collect because they're always at those stores and i've got tons of those stores and they're cheaper so i think that's what i'm gonna do is just start collecting kind of like a kind of a discount store line of figures and you know maybe i'll review them on youtube or something because um you know it's not about how valuable the item is for a figure if you're a figure collector it's about if the figure has a value to you and yeah so if they only cost me four dollars hey that's that's not a bad idea and i got um two of them so i got luke skywalker obviously it's in his uh return of the jedi um get up so he's in the black and he's got the green lightsaber um he's already holding the lightsaber in his hand but the um the saber part can go can be taken off however i'm keeping it in um so and that's actually kind of one of my favorite appearances of luke skywalker in the original trilogy is return of the jedi but i think nowadays my favorite look is um as weird as it sounds is the last jedi um i don't know why <laughs> um so i got him and then i got ray and her getup is, um, uh, what did they say it was? But it, it's kind of just a traditional ray. She's got the regular blue lightsaber. That can actually come, she can actually hold it or not. Um, but Luke is always holding the, he the handle of the lightsaber. So there's no getting rid of that. Um, they're a little hollow, and the legs don't move, but they're still a Star Wars figure, one way or another. So I started my collection there, but I'm probably... I do know places that sell kind of like the Kenner 4-inch stuff, so I'm probably going to try to invest in some of those down the road. Um... I, I don't want to do the black series, the six-inch series, because they already made my favorite Obi-Wan, and he's, like, really up there in price right now. And I didn't like the head sculpt on it, so I'm not bothering with those. But, yeah, so the Luke and the Ray were four bucks each, so I was like, well, you got to start a Star Wars line somehow. And I did find another place that, that has some uh, interesting figures for $4 each as well. Um, but yeah, so those were the only new things for this past week. Um, I might get something this week, I don't know, this upcoming week, so... Uh, 
Well, chances are I'll find some. Um, I always I always find something, so that's never a problem. But yeah, let's just break. Let's just jump right into the Royal Rumble results. I mean, that's what we're all dying to hear about, right? So on the pre-show, there was. Let's see. I'm trying to think about this. Um, I mean, should we talk about NXT Worlds Collide? It was kind of a an interesting. It's like NXT Survivor Series. Kind of a cool concept. Um, NXT definitely needs more recognition like that. However, takeovers are always better. Like, why couldn't they have TakeOver Houston? But, regardless, um, let's see what I can remember off. You know what, I'll just... Um, yeah, let's see what I can remember off the top of my head with that. So, Mia Yim faced Kaylee Ray. I think that was the the kickoff show. And Kaylee Ray won. I think she had her hands on the ropes. And the ref didn't see it. Um, so that was... Eh, you know, like... It's nothing against Mia Yim. It's nothing against Kaylee Ray. But I'm just not really big into either of them. So that was kind of a match that was like, eh... I, I didn't have a lot invested in it. Um, so the, the outcome didn't really phase me one way or the other. Um, and then I think that was the only match. Then they did the actual Worlds Collide event. Which saw... I'm not going to do these in order. Although I will do the main event last. But um, let's see. There was trying to think Finn Balor beat uh Ilya Dragunov which I actually wanted Dragunov to win because I don't know Balor's just right now he's at a weird phase for me and I don't know it's not because he's like heel ish it's just I don't know I liked him at first, and then he hasn't really, I mean, now he's going back to calling him, I mean, he's calling himself the Prince now, Finn Balor, and yeah, he's basically making a Prince Devitt reference, and he's the only one that's been sent from the main roster that held a major title to go back to NXT. Everyone else has been people that either never held a title but we're really good in NXT, you know, like um, Tyler Breeze was much better utilized on NXT. However, nowadays, I've been watching the last few weeks and I haven't seen him. And that's a little unsettling for me because I really like Tyler Breeze. I actually met him last year at PAX East. Uh, he was very, very nice to talk to. Um, I'd say out of the four that were there last year... The two that really stood out to me, because it was Dio Madden, Ember Moon, um, 
Tyler Breeze and Xavier Woods. I'd say my two f- absolute favorites. Um, and it's nothing against the other two, absolutely not. But the, but these two really had conversations with me, so this is why they stand out the most. It was Tyler Breeze and Xavier Woods. So, you know, but, but you know, Ember Moon did try to strike a conversation with me, but like. She asked about a Nintendo game that I wasn't into. And uh, so I was like, oh, sorry, I'm not. <laughs> so she did try. So I will give Ember Moon the uh, A for effort. And she seemed very sweet. So, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm tracking off again. But, yeah, I would have liked to see Ilya Dragunov get the win. I know the fans wouldn't have liked it, but... He need he kind of needs it going forward. I mean, yes, he put on an amazing match, and that hopefully will get him noticed. Um, I love his entrance theme. I like that he wears the red contact lenses. He's just very vicious. I like him. Um, uh, but you know, Balor's still kind of. People are always going to like Balor, and you know, I like him, but I'd like to see him try something new. I mean, I guess that's what he's kind of doing now, but it's it's not really grabbing my attention. Like, the demon always got my attention. Um, so, that that was one of the matches, and then, let's see... Um, Tegan Knox attacked Dakota Kai while Dakota was in the crowd. Um, to kind of further their storyline. It was kind of a let them fight scenario. Um, I still haven't watched War Games from 2019 yet. And I, I, I did, and I watched that match. And I thought that was the end of Tegan Knox's career. And they just wanted to write her off permanently because that was just brutal. You know, hats off to Dakota Kai for really, really look making that thing look vicious, and I mean, like vicious, brutal. That was just damn. That's cold blooded, and that's good stuff. <laughs> it's such good shit. Um, but nope. Tegan Knox came back, so you know that that's it, it works either way. So, but the way she did it, I thought she that was like a way to end her career because I know she had some knee problems. I was like, uh oh, are the knee problems ending her career? But no, it was just a storyline, thankfully. Because you know, usually when somebody usually when somebody does a beating that badly, it's usually like they're gonna be out for a while. And, um, yeah, (laughs) so that happened, um, trying to think, no, they, um, trying to think of what was next, uh, I don't think this was next, but there was, um, Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm, which saw Rhea Ripley win. 
Um, which, yeah, she just won it from Shayna Baszler. There's no way they're taking it off of her that fast. Um, and Thuria Ripley, you know, movement just began and to cut it short would be a really bad idea. So she's not going anywhere with that title for, I'd say at least until maybe around SummerSlam time. She might lose if, if the plan is to take it off of her. Um, I mean, it could always happen before then, but I'd like to see her have it at least until SummerSlam. Um, depending on who's built up and ready to take her on at that point. Maybe somebody goes heel. I don't know, maybe Candice LeRae. And then she goes over. It's a possibility. Um, but I don't know, because she's married to Johnny Gargano. And Johnny's, I mean, he's Johnny Wrestling and. And that was another match, which was a DIY took on Mustache Mountain. Really great match as well. DIY came out the victors, but, um, you know, the, the match definitely, you know, it was, it was a treat. You know, it was a treat for the, for everyone there, everyone watching, and for the competitors themselves, you know. Because DIY and Mustache Mountain, let's face it, you you know that that was just a an amazing moment. So um, I love the journey that DIY has been going through in NXT, and it's one of the reasons I always watch it is um, just because it's that story and the way it's. It's always changing, you know. One will turn on the other. They come back. Sometimes they find themselves up against the same enemy. The world title has been in the picture. And, you know, just all this craziness. The wars they went to against each other. Um, it, it, you know, don't ever stop the tale of those two. Um, because that's something people will never get tired of. And, um, then the main event was Imperium versus the Undisputed Era, which saw Alexander Wolf got hurt and taken out of the match, but Imperium still won. With uh, Walter picking up the win over Bobby Fish. That was a really good match. Um, even though Imperium were outnumbered, they still. They still uh, were victorious in their conquest of the Undisputed Era. Um, do I think the rivalry is over? I don't know. I kind of hope not. <laughs> It would be good to see them keep it going for a little while longer. So, 
overall, I thought Worlds Collide was a very good show. Uh, I was hoping to see some other matches, but I might have missed one. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. It would have been nice to see a couple more matches. Like, at least one more match. That would have been nice to see. Alright, so let's break into Royal Rumble. So, on the pre-show, Shorty G faced Sheamus. Sheamus won. Good match. Good way to get the kickoff show, you know, the action on the kickoff show started. Always been a fan of Sheamus' work. Um, heel, face, you name it. He, he's great. Um, definitely an overlooked performer. I mean, think about some of the stuff he's accomplished in the short time he was there. Like when he, within his first year, he was WWE champion. And he was only there about six months uh, he was the first Irish-born WWE champion as at that time as well. He won the WWE championship later on in 2010 after losing it at Elimination Chamber. He won it like four months back. He had a good two or three month reign there. He's a former United States champion, um, tag team champion. He won the WWE. He won the Money in the Bank briefcase. He Won the Royal Rumble back in 2012. Beat Daniel Bryan in 8 seconds for the world title at WrestleMania. Um, won Money in the Bank. Was it 2015 or 2016? No, 2015. And he cashed in on Roman Reigns. And became WWE Champion again. Didn't have that long of a reign. It was like a month. But still. You know, Sheamus is somebody that... It kind of sucks he ended... He was on the pre-show. But yeah, he, he beat Shorty G. Um, I don't know what the plan is with Shorty G right now. I don't know if they're going to kind of scrap him and turn him back to Chad Gable. Um, I mean... Or if he's just going to keep going against Sheamus for a little while. Maybe he'll get a couple upsets and maybe there'll be a rubber match. I don't know. But, you know, it like I said, it sucked seeing Sheamus on the pre-show and not in the Rumble. Um, so, then after that, it was Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade for the United States Championship. Um, really good match, you know. The two took each other to the limit. Um, Humberto Carrillo definitely is a rising star. A lot of people say he doesn't have much charisma, but he's still young, you know. He's got to grow into that, and, you know, it's because he doesn't translate over to a United States audience as opposed to a Hispanic audience where that's where he's originally from Mexico. He's originally a luchador. So he's probably very charismatic in his culture, but now trying to be on a universal scale, on a universal culture, um, 
I think it's tough to translate that over. But I think give give him some time. He'll he'll grow into it, you know. Um, but Andrade was the winner. Um, no cheating or anything like that. Just a straight up match, you know. And so, but uh, Andrade won with a just a rolled them up for a good rolled them up with the right pin and that was that um but they left it all in the ring and um yeah actually if that match was on the main card that would have been i don't think anybody would have complained i know i wouldn't have um Alright, so let's get right on to the pay-per-view event itself. The Royal Rumble. Um, wow. So, alright. Um, the first match was Roman Reigns versus uh, Baron Cor- well, King Corbin in a Falls Count Anywhere. Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler and the Usos got involved. Roman Reigns put Baron Corbin in a porter potty and knocked it over, tipped it over, and ultimately Reigns speared Corbin on like the third bl- the third baseline or something like where the third base is on that because uh, they're at a baseball stadium for that event last night in Houston. They're at the Astrodome, I think. Um. And there were some other cool spots on that, like Corbin choke slammed Roman through the uh, one of the announce tables. Roman did like two or three Samoan drops on other announce tables up in the um, up where like the more uh, foreign broadcast teams are, like Funaki, like the Japanese announce team, the Mandarin. Um, you know, the French team, like, they're all up, up in these, like, I don't know, they're, they're off in the distance, but, um, a couple of those tables broke, and, um, but yeah, Roman won, and then the next match was the Women's Royal Rumble, but I'm gonna talk about the Rumbles last, because they're the best part of this pay-per-view, and it's, like I said, the best pay-per-view of the year. Um, so, Bailey faced Lacey Evans in a title SmackDown Women's title match. And um, Bailey won by pulling, the, pulling her tights. And, yeah. It was a good match, though. Um, it looked like uh, Lacey Evans was a little... You know, she looked very tired in the match, believe it or not. I think Bailey really made her step up her game last night, which was good for both women because they, you know, I, I think they knew that probably going into that pay-per-view that they didn't have the, um, you know, not a lot of people were invested in seeing that. But if you noticed on Friday, you know, Lacey Evans was coming out about some of the things that had happened to her earlier on in her life and how she got into the Marine Corps 
And so they're really trying to build Lacey Evans up. But, like, she wasn't going to win it that night. But that match was incredibly, you know, nobody really took it seriously. So I think her and Bailey just stepped it up to the point where they both got, you know, they were, you know, like Lacey was more tired and I think, I think she botched a couple things, and uh, Bailey, I think, was just exhausted. Um, but it's because they were just going so long, and they really had to show that this match was not to be overlooked. And I think they really left a, they really left an impression on me because I was like, they they were fighting until they couldn't, and. Um, so, yeah, I think they're definitely going to have to have a rematch because that definitely showed, you know, I, it, if there was one match that kind of secretly stole the show, it's definitely that one. Um, so, you know, like in terms of those matches... And then, you know, there was a couple other matches that night. I mean, last night. Um, like, I already talked about the Roman one. You know, Roman versus Corbin. And then um, I just talked about the SmackDown women's title match. Then there was, um, what was that other match? I know, I know there was Becky versus Asuka, but I got to cover that one after this one because this one's apparently forgettable enough excuse me um give me a second here to remember which one it was um it was a men's match i know that um oh yes the strap match between daniel bryan and bray wyatt you know I shouldn't say it was forgettable, but it was kind of, I don't know, like, Daniel Bryan showed that he could take the Fiend to the limit, and really up until now, nobody could really get one over on the Fiend after the Fiend has kind of messed with them. And everyone's changed since dealing with The Fiend, but Daniel Bryan still didn't change, and he walked out of the match even though he lost. He walked away, and he was stumbling, but he was still... He's still, you know, the leader of the Yes movement. He's not changing who he is under any circumstances, so... He's still himself at the end of this, even though he lost. He's still he's still standing. So um, I don't know if Daniel Bryan will be the one to beat the Fiend, but he definitely showed that it is possible. Um, I don't know who the Fiend will be facing at WrestleMania. If the Fiend has the title by then, which more or less he should. Um, maybe it's somebody he's already beaten. I don't know yet. 
it seems like Braun Strowman is going to be facing Shinsuke, so um, it won't be him. Although there there was that time on Raw where the screen was upside down after The Fiend did something, and then it went right side up when it was Strowman. So maybe that was a sign that Strowman's going to be the one to beat him down the road, but you're not going to think about it. It's just kind of a, oh. Um, but I think... Nakamura versus Strowman will happen more or less at WrestleMania or on the pre-show of WrestleMania. I don't know yet, <laughs> but I could see it. Although to keep Braun off WrestleMania would be a very bad idea. Um, not that he's the only reason there's a company, but like people like Braun. He's over. So... I think they'll want him to have that WrestleMania moment, not that WrestleMania pre-show moment. And that would be smarter to put Braun on the main show. But yeah, Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt, crazy match. Um, and you know, you, you would have figured that putting Daniel Bryan against... I mean, they put Bray Wyatt against so many people. And people have just been fans of Bray Wyatt. Working against Daniel Bryan, though, clearly the Yes movement is not dead. And I think we could see another Yeslemania. If not Braun Strowman facing The Fiend at Wrestlemania. I don't know who else at this moment. I mean, I suppose Roman, but I don't think fan, I, I don't think that would get the reaction Vince wants. Um, so I don't think it'll be Roman. Um, and then yes, there was Becky versus Oscar. Oscar had always had Becky's number. Becky kept saying I want to fight Asuka I have a debt to collect and they really told that story you know it started at last year's Royal Rumble the rematch happened this year this time Becky was the defending champion and Asuka was the challenger but in a way Becky was still the challenger because she wanted the match and um, great match between the both of them Asuka tried to go for the mist, and Becky caught it, and Asuka kind of technically misted herself, and Becky ended up getting the win. So, I say there needs to be a rubber match, because it could be, well, Becky, yeah, she won, but she didn't technically get a fair win, even though, you know turnabout's fair play with the mist um i just think it would be better you know i i, I think and it also makes oscar look it also gives oscar that legitimacy still because you still want her to have that you don't want to ruin someone like oscar she's definitely one of the 
top people in the WWE right now, women's division. And so I think they should do another match, I think, next pay-per-view. So um, I guess we go on to the Royal Rumbles right now. Um, so the first surprise happened at entrant Charlotte. No, who's number one? trying to think of who drew number one. Oh, Alexa Bliss was number one, and Bianca Belair drew number two. And uh, the first surprise entrant was Mighty Molly, which was really cool to see. Um, that was, you know, because she already did Molly Holly, the other, the first Women's Royal Rumble, so Mighty Molly was a nice change of pace. And then, um, trying to think of some other good surprises that came from it. I mean, Bianca Belair got eight eliminations. That's the most in a theme in the women's rumble history. And, um, Otis saved Mandy Rose when she was eliminated the first time. He, I guess he was hiding under the ring and he rolled out when she fell. And uh, she landed on him. And then he tried to catch... Then he caught her. But then Bianca Belair eliminated um, Sony Deville and threw her on top of Otis and Mandy. And um, so then Mandy was officially eliminated. But yeah, Bianca Belair eliminated a lot of people. Even Alexa Bliss. Like, and But they lasted a long time, those two. Um... But let's see what else. Um, Santina Morella made an appearance in the Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble, even though it was Santino with a wig. But um, he, she, I should say, used the Cobra and eliminated herself when she was in between Beth Phoenix and Natalia. Because they have history. There was Glamorella. There was all this other stuff. But that was pretty funny. Um, kind of a waste of a rumble spot. But it definitely gave that match comedy. Where for the most part the match was usually very serious. Um, Naomi returned. Um, she's got new hairdo. Um, and she actually caught herself on the guardrail, kind of like when John Morrison did the parkour thing from, well, it was like 2011, but she got onto the announce table, took off the part of the announce table and connected it to the ring steps and made like a bridge and walked across it to get back into the match. Um, and, uh, Beth Phoenix... Is a total badass for that match. Um, she got cut open pretty good on her head. And that... Oof, I mean, her hair was pretty much almost all red at one point. And she eliminated Natalia. And I... Yeah, I think it was down to her and Charlotte were the last two. And... No, it was Shayna Baszler drew number 30. Um, but yeah, there was so many great 
entra- surprise entrance in the Women's Royal Rumble too. Um, Kelly Kelly definitely um, looked like she broke Charlotte's nose. Charlotte looked really pissed and went, you bitch, and kicked her right off the freaking apron. I was like, Kelly Kelly versus Charlotte Flair. That Even if that was a one-on-one match and Charlotte Flair was at 50%, Kelly Kelly wouldn't last five minutes because Charlotte is just a different breed. Um, she's a flair. And uh, you could build up Kelly Kelly to the, to the heavens themselves and she could just still... You know, it just goes to show you the difference in women's wrestling, you know. Um, Charlotte, honestly, and she won the Royal Rumble. And, you know, she was my pick to win. I had a feeling it was going to be Charlotte because, first of all, her dad won the Rumble back in the day with a tear in his eye. Woo! But I thought it was interesting because there was a kid with a universal title. It was a red universal title. And she's taken a couple, she's slapping, you know, she's, she's giving out a couple high fives on her way back after she won. And she smiled and pointed at the kid's universal title. And that had me going, what if WWE is trying to create a women, a women's world champion? Because Impact just did that with Tessa Blanchard. And who better than Charlotte? I mean, some people would go on to say that Tessa Blanchard is just living in Charlotte Flair's shadow. And then if Charlotte Flair overcomes something like the fiend Bray Wyatt, as crazy as that would be. I mean, we would never look at WWE the same ever again. And, you know, it would be crazy to see it. But I think WWE knows better and probably know some of the controversy that could happen with that. Um, Not that Charlotte's been known to be a racist or anything. Um, We would have heard about it by now. Um, But no, Charlotte, I've never heard anything but good things about her in terms of real life, so... And she's got Guns N' Roses lyrics tattooed on her, so she has to be cool. Um, but yeah, I was—I I had a feeling she was going to win. It was just, it, it was too obvious for me. Um, but yeah, what if she goes after the Universal title? That'd be crazy. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, but I don't know. Or I think she's just saying, hey, kid, you're a champ. That's cute, you know. Um, that could all be, that could be all that there was to it. But yeah, Shayna Baszler, it was down to Charlotte and Shayna. Charlotte almost got eliminated. Shayna put up a good fight, you know, and Beth Phoenix made it to the final three, bleeding from her head profusely that her hair turned red. I'm not even, not even lying. Like she, she was a redhead because she got cut open really bad on the back of her head. Um, I hope she's all right. Um, that looked, I mean, it was bad. Like, I've seen people with blonde hair get busted open in matches before and become redheads, but 
not like almost you know I I had never seen it in a women's match and this wasn't even like a street fight or anything but yeah that was but Beth Phoenix kept going didn't lose a beat she didn't miss a beat and um it could be her retirement match I don't know how she's feeling after that if she's thinking maybe I shouldn't do this anymore um but she's a fucking badass that's actually what the bullet note was was Beth Phoenix badass because that was the most badass thing I've ever seen in a Royal Rumble um in yeah in a long time so wow you know hats off to beth phoenix and and, i mean all of them except santina morella (laughs) although it was nice to see the cobra again so i will say that was one good note about that um the first female eliminated in the royal rumble was lana um by Liv Morgan and then Liv Morgan went on the top rope and then Lana pushed her off so they got into a cat fight at at that moment so I guess that's something to worth bring it was worth bringing up um and I I figured out this whole Rusev Lana Lashley Liv Morgan thing I know why they're doing it I don't know if I said this yet but it's because people wanted to push for Rusev. Careful what you wish for because this is what you end up with. Um, I kind of wish they would just end it already. Or at least Liv Morgan uh, kicks Lana in the crotch because you know the fans would like to see that happen because... Yeah. Yeah. And you know that's such that that's kind of where this storyline goes is usually a a female to female low blow comedically done. Usually that's how those storylines pan out. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it happen just because Lana would overact and it'd be pretty damn funny. And then they can finally put this thing to rest. Or maybe it could have been just to you know it could have been Rusev and Lana secretly working together all the time to maybe steal Lashley's citizenship I don't know um but yeah so they got so on to the men's rumble now I guess that storyline is a good way to segue into the men's rumble um neither Rusev nor Lashley were in the match. They were advertised, but they said they got into a fight before the show and have not been medically cleared. And then Heavy Machinery was supposed to be in the Royal Rumble. Were not... They they didn't show up. As everyone knew, Brock Lesnar drew number one. No, he entered at number one, and that was his plan. Even though he's the WWE champion, he wanted to go into this match because he said nobody could eliminate Brock Lesnar. And, hmm. You know, a lot of people came in, but the first person 
was Elias. Elias drew number two. No, he didn't last long. After that, it was Eric Rowan. Didn't last long. Um, there was one point in time where it was Biggie, Rey Mysterio, and Kofi Kingston. They all went after him. And it looked like a glimmer of hope. But in the end, Brock Lesnar, he made 13 consecutive eliminations. 13. I mean, John Morrison went. um, Who else? Hmm. Trying to think of who else Brock eliminated. Well, well, when Keith Lee came out, he was actually going toe to toe with Keith Lee for a little while. Um, then Braun Strowman came out, and you're like, oh well, maybe they'll work together to get rid of Brock. No, Brock eliminated both of them because they couldn't. You know, they ended up battling each other. Um, so that ended up. But yeah, so Brock had 13 eliminations. It wasn't until Ricochet came out. And Brock was a little gassed at this point. And he was kind of toying with Ricochet. And then Drew McIntyre came out. So Brock did 13, 14, 15. So Drew McIntyre had to have come in at 15, I think it was. And um, he became the savior. Of the Royal Rumble 2020. Um, because. Him and Ricochet. Quickly worked together. Ricochet got Brock back with a low blow. Because Brock hit him. Brock kicked him Monday. And then uh, Ricochet got him back with one. And during that. Drew McIntyre hit him with a Claymore kick. That sent Brock over the top rope. And eliminated. And. There was no way Brock was going back in the match because he was beat. And short, so McIntyre, Ricochet jumped and did like a landing body splash onto Drew McIntyre. But McIntyre, even though he hit the ground, he was still holding on to him and he picked him up. While laying down, he jumped up with him and threw him over the rope. And then The Miz came out. McIntyre made quick work of him. Um, and then the rest are kind of filling after that. But McIntyre didn't take his eye off of Brock. Um, you know, but yeah, Keith Lee was in there. Um, let's see. Uh, there was no save from Kofi Kingston this time, technically speaking. Like, he didn't get thrown out and find a funky way to get back in. He just was eliminated this time, which was kind of a bummer. So Brock broke that as well as Kofi's return thing. Cause he fell out of the ring, but it was like the second rope and he regrouped when Big E came out and Rey Mysterio, the three of them tried to, but yeah. So Matt and then, um, there was a fan with a suplex count sign and yeah, there was, I think the last I saw the suplex sign go up was at 10 suplexes from Brock, um, all scattered throughout the Royal Rumble when he was in there. And yeah, it was looking like 
man, this thing is going to suck. Brock is going to eliminate all 29 other people. Which I think... So many people would cancel their network subscription, I think, if that happened. Um, people like when the ring fills up. People like the surprise entrance actually showing that they still got it. And um, MVP, he was in the... He was a surprise entrance. Um, and he was wearing Black Panther gear, which looked really cool. Um, I'm hoping they actually make a figure of that. Elite. None of this basic bullshit. And it better not be a store exclusive either. Or else there will be a tirade alert. Um, but yeah. Then I think the most... The coolest thing about the Royal Rumble... And I'm not gonna lie. I cried. I actually cried this for this part. Was... uh. Not big time crying, but like I had tears of joy and I don't think I've ever had those in my entire life. But you just hear, you think you know me. Dun, 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 dun. On this day, I see clearly everything has come to life. Edge came back and he delivered spears like nobody else's business because nobody does a better spear than Edge in the WWE. I know Roman Reigns and Lashley got the spear, but they just don't have that. They just don't deliver it quite like Edge. And um, believe it or not, when AJ Styles got speared by Edge, he actually hurt his ribs. Um, no, he landed on his shoulder, I should say. Um he over he he sold it really well but landed awkwardly on his shoulder um and edge did get a few eliminations in that were very noted like aj styles um and who else aj styles um crap i can't think of oh orton he, they, they, they did a, a little mini rated RKO reunion, which was awesome. They hit the double RKO, um, on McIntyre. I mean, Orton was going to try to turn on edge and then edge caught on to it. And then he convinced him, Oh, let's take care of Roman. And, um, Right when Orton was going after Roman with him, Edge dumped him over the top rope. And Orton just went, ah, you know, like, forget about it. But, like, it was the coolest thing to have Edge come back in the Royal Rumble because I remember in 2011, after WrestleMania, the week after, he came on Raw and had to retire. And it broke my heart, like... Edge was one of my favorites, and um, that was really, really tough. That was one of the toughest things I in wrestling for me, you know. Um, because, you know, he talked about, you guys watched me grow up from when I started in this ring at 23 and all the way up until now. I think he was like, let's see, if it was 98 to 2001... 
13 years. So he was like 37 when he hung him up. And um, maybe 36. So, you know, yeah, we did watch him, you know. he We'd been there at good times, bad times. And just one of the things he said was like, you know, every bit of energy I gave you, whether you hated me or loved me, you always gave it back. And I always loved his entrance. And, um, you know, Edge is just one of the greatest to me. Um, and, you know, like some of the amazing matches he had, like, wow. Wow. And to see him come back, and when he made his entrance, there were tears in his eyes, and it was like, don't you start, because I'm going to have to start, and I did. <laughs> Never met the guy, but um, he was just always one of my favorites, and um, you know, like I said, you know, there's just too many things I could go on about why I love Edge, and um, apparently... That's only the beginning because he um, he actually signed a new deal for a couple years at least. So he's not done. He's back, at least for a little while. And I mean, it's cool, but it's also kind of weird at the same time because his last match before that was... He defended and retained the world title at WrestleMania. Nobody could, nobody ever goes out like that. You know, usually everyone always loses their last match. You know, and so, I mean, does it lessen that the way he went out? No, because he kind of didn't have a choice. They told him he had to retire. But now he's been cleared, and yeah, I guess he's back. He almost went to AEW, um, apparently, according to rumors. I'm going to have to read up on that because that's craziness because Edge has always been a WWE guy. And seeing him go anywhere else would have been just absolute bullshit. Um, but... Edge made it to the final three. It was Roman, Edge, Andrew McIntyre. And uh, Roman eliminated Edge. And then Drew was going to try to capitalize quickly, but Roman was smarter. And it. And then Roman almost was going to hit him with a spear, but McIntyre hit him with a claymore and sent Roman out. Roman... So the winner of the 2020 Royal Rumble was Drew McIntyre. A few weeks before 2020, or I think it was the week before 2020, it was the last Raw of 2019, Drew McIntyre said that 2020 will be the year of Drew McIntyre. And he already jump-started after last night. Another interesting thing that happened was Seth Rollins came out with the AOP and Buddy Murphy, and they were kind of helping Seth like, Seth got thrown out, and AOP caught him, threw him back in. And, like, Buddy Murphy would be pulling at people, and 
AOP would be doing numbers on people that are getting on the outside, helping, you know. But Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens got eliminated, so they fended off the AOP. As But then there's Buddy Murphy to take into account, which was uh, handled by Aleister Black. So Seth tried to use his... I thought, you know, a lot of people were probably figuring, oh, well, because Seth drew number 30. So nobody was coming out after Seth. So nobody, there was no chance for CM Punk to come out after him. However, there's nobody going after Seth right now except Kevin Samoa Joe. But now it looks like Aleister Black is going to take care of the Buddy Murphy problem. They're still outnumbered three to four. Big Show's not coming back yet. Um, if anything, Big Show might come back and join Seth. Because Big Show always does shit. He always does shit like that. And um, if anything's going to be done with Big Show in this storyline. But um, I don't know who's going to ultimately be the one to stand up against Seth for WrestleMania. A lot of people are anticipating CM Punk. Could 2020 be the year? Maybe. But maybe not. Um... If it, if it does happen before Mania, I would definitely say before Elimination Chamber, he has to make an appearance. It could be tonight. Um, but I think the announcement tonight is going to be that Edge is coming back for a while. Um, so, And I was actually just hoping, well, when are they going to make a figure of him? That you can give him the hands for when he's holding up the rock and roll sign. You know, when he's got the index and pinky fingers up for when he makes his ring entrance. I'm like, they gotta make a figure that has those interchangeable hands. And, uh, I'm pretty sure we're getting it after last night. And, um, yeah. I really was really excited to see Edge come back. Um, even if it's only for a little while. Well, I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer, you know. Now he's come back in his 40s, I think, now. That's crazy. Um, and I'm really excited to see it. So, you know, and yeah, I'm, I can't wait for that new figure. <laughs> you know me and my wrestling figures. All right. So all the wrestling and action figure stuff is covered for the week. Well, not all the wrestling stuff. Um, but you know what? We're going to start off with a new uh, movie bit. So a trailer was released online last week of a Mewtwo Strikes Back CGI reboot called uh, Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. It is a CGI reboot of Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. But you can only watch it on Netflix. So, that is a Netflix exclusive. Um, I'm very excited for it, because all it's going to cost me is time, um, because I already have Netflix. So, I'm really not, you know, um, I mean, I'm sure they're going to make some merchandise to go with the movie, because, you know, somebody had said, why would they make a remake? Like, I do not want to watch this. I'm like, well, merchandise. <laughs> And if that's no truer statement, I don't know what is. But um, I think it looks great. 
Uh, I'm going to be excited to see it. Depending on what kind of merch comes out, you know, like I wouldn't mind getting a Pokemon shirt since my Gyarados shirt got ruined. Um, I do need a new Pokemon shirt. Um, I got to finish Sword and Shield. I'm still just getting the first badge. I still just got the first badge. Like, that's the last thing I did in the game. How sad is that? Um, and this is a what if wrestling or a wrestling what if. And so I'm taking a different spin on these from now on. Originally, they were theories. They're theories about what if this was this and this was that. And this is what really happened as opposed to what went down. Like, what if that's just a fraction of the truth? This is just... So from now on, I'm changing the tune of the tone of that to things that never happened, but what it would have been like if they happened so this week's new edition of wrestling what ifs is what if goldberg versus austin actually happened in one of these promotions whether it be wwe then known as wwf or wcw so i had to think about this um and you know you had to think about where was this going to take place if it were to take place? And I'm not talking about they were both in WWE at 2000 in the early 2000s. And it's like, yes, Stone Cold had his last match at WrestleMania. And then the next night on Raw, Goldberg debuted. So. And, you know, Stone Cold was general manager when Goldberg was wrestling. He was co-general manager. So we never got to see them actually have a feud against each other. Be able, and you know, both of them in their prime. Cuz that's what I wanted. I wanted, you know, Stone Cold in his prime at the best he possibly could be, you know, versus Goldberg when he was the man, you know, back in WCW. How long was that streak going? So Here's how I think it would have gone down. More or less, Goldberg would have had to go to WWE because there was no chance the Stone Cold was going to go back to the company that fired him via FedEx. All right? Didn't matter how much money they would have offered him because, first of all, he wouldn't be allowed to be called Stone Cold. So he's like, I can't be Stone Cold over there unless you want to try to buy that shit off of Vince. I don't see it happening. And there's no way WWE was going to even try to. There was no way Vince was even going to sell that name. He's like, you know, there was just no way it could have been done. So Goldberg would have had to have gone, gone to WWE. And if he went during the Attitude Era and just came off like a typical badass, you know, um, I think what would have happened is he would have looked great. He would have been built up to take on Stone Cold. Maybe would have had a mini streak going. And I think at the end of the day, Stone Cold would have won. Because of the experience factor. And just the fact that Stone Cold, you know, he, he wouldn't have, you know, he would have tried, you know, he would have he would have taken some shortcuts here and there. And Goldberg wasn't the kind of guy to do that. So, you know, Hogan was able to take shortcuts on Goldberg, but he never beat Goldberg. Um... 
at least back when Goldberg was being built as a serious contender. You know, back when he was being built as, yeah, they were trying to make WCW was essentially, well, this guy's like a jacked up Stone Cold that doesn't drink beer. He could be a positive influence on the kids. We have a, we have a, a Stone Cold for kids. Kids already liked Stone Cold. I mean, that's how, I was 10 years old when that happened. When he became Stone Cold and I was just like, yeah. Or no, I think I was nine. Yeah, I was nine when he was Stone Cold, but he didn't become the likable Stone Cold until about a year after that. And I was just like, yep, Stone Cold is the man, you know, like, there's no topping it. And then he started feuding with Brett, and that just escalated him to legend status. He, Owen fucked up his neck, came back, Won the world title at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels. You know, and... I mean, that was in Boston. So, that main event has a particular... You know, it's got a particular... I wish I could have gone to it, but... I'm kind of glad I didn't. Just because... I wouldn't have had anyone to go with. Um... But yeah, so if Stone Cold and Goldberg ever had to face each other, it would have had to have been WWE. And WWE would have wanted Goldberg to lose because he's not their creation. And that's why he didn't have the crazy streak he had in WCW that he had in WWE. He wasn't because Vince just didn't believe in it. And maybe he would have if he signed there instead of WWE because originally Goldberg almost went to WWE but see I think Goldberg would have kind of got that Vader treatment where yeah you're a great name there's great potential in you but we don't need you for that we need you to help us create those people you know because that's kind of what Vader was in WWE for is to kind of it wasn't his creation you know he was bigger in Japan and in WCW but, you know, he had a good run in WWE, you know, when he first showed up with Cornette. Um, but ultimately, he was just misused. And um, in most fans' eyes that knew who he was before he went to WWE, some fans were like, well, Vader's not the same Vader. It's like, well, yeah, he's WWE's Vader. And... I think that's what would have happened if Goldberg had jumped over to WWE during the Attitude Era. Because Goldberg showed up in the Ruthless Aggression Era. But let's say Goldberg jumped over during the Attitude Era. He probably would have been kind of like Dan Severn, Vader, you know, just... Yes, he's a name, but he's mostly just an obstacle for who we want to build. Um, But he probably might have gotten a title down the road, but... Maybe might have beaten Stone Cold if he turned heel. Um, but I think Stone Cold just draws more than Goldberg. Um, I mean, the minute that glass breaks, boom. Um, and, yeah, Stone Cold, I think, would have gone over. Now, let's say things with WCW went well. When he left there, they were just like, sorry, Steve. So, Steve, the th- if it's somebody else, baby, 
you know, we got to let you go. But, you know, maybe somewhere down the future, somewhere down the road, give us a call when you, you know, you're doing something else. You know, maybe we'll notice you then. You know, work on yourself a little bit. And then we'll, we'll bring you back when the time is right, brother. You know, I imagine Dusty would have said something like that. And um, maybe Stone Cold would have jumped over. Would have been like, all right, you know, it's a new beginning. I know I can't be Stone Cold Steve Austin over here, but I can be something else Steve Austin. Um, he might have been stunning Steve Austin again, but just... He would have just been delivering the stunners left and right. And that's why he'd be stunning, is because he's always stunning people left and right with his finisher, the stunner. Um, it probably would have been something like that. So he would have repackaged... Like, he would have kind of, I imagine he would have kind of, like, re-put a different spin on stunning Steve Austin so he could still do the stunner and um, still have that attitude with him. Um, probably would have had to censor himself a little bit, although when Russo was taken over and it was getting a little raunchier, he probably would have excelled, but... Um, I think if it happened in WCW... Um, even though they built up Goldberg to be the juggernaut that he was, they would have loved the comeback story of Steve Austin to WCW and Stone Cold, pro well, Steve Austin probably would have said, do I get to take out, do I get to be the one to end the streak? And that would have had to be in his contract for him to come back. So chances are, if he jumped to WCW, Stone Cold still would have beat Gold. Austin still would have beat Goldberg, and because they would have been like, "Yeah, it's the experience. He came back, and it would have been a hell of a comeback story." And now he's taking it out on his old bosses by beating the new wannabe Stone Cold. Because people would, if Stone Cold showed up in WCW, he would have, the fans would have went, "Oh." Now he's here to show that there's only one Stone Cold and fans would have been pissed. I think they would have got mad if Goldberg went over. Um, some would have liked it, yes, but I think you ask 10 wrestling fans, I'd, I'd imagine 7 out of 10 would say, I think Stone Cold. Um, I mean, that's that's what I'd like to think. You know, I'm actually going to have to take a poll on that and um, say who was better, Stone Cold or Goldberg. You know, and if they're at their prime, who would you have wanted to win for the ultimate deciding bout? You know, um, there could have been some tag matches to build it up. Maybe a triple threat, a fatal four way here and there to kind of, you know, escalate the tension between the two. Uh, and I think, but yeah, ultimately, I think Stone Cold, no matter what company it was, probably would have beat Goldberg every single time. Um because Stone Cold would have probably only gone back to WCW as it was if he was the one to end the streak. And after what they did to him, I wouldn't blame him for wanting that request. And that's the bottom line, because GM Rex said so. I don't do a great Stone Cold, but I, I do like to imitate Stone Cold. And um, one of my favorite promos was when he talked about getting fired by WCW on ECW. And he's, you know, throw a Steve after somebody else, baby. Throw a Steve, that's not for you, brother. 
you know, when he was doing all that and he goes, well, all that shit never happened. You know, I just love that promo. I mean, that was kind of the birth of Stone Cold right there. I think Vince saw that and he goes, if I could work with him, he could be something big and he could give the middle finger to WCW because they unceremoniously fired him via FedEx. Like, we have big bucks off of that. And, uh, yeah, Stone Cold's, he's definitely on my, one of my Mount Rushmore's of guys who can't go anymore, but, um, Stone Cold was always one, and, you know, he's always got a good head for the business, and I still gotta see the straight up Steve Austin stuff on the WWE Network. I heard Undertaker was first, then there was the Goldberg one. And I bet you they probably talked about their feud, potential feud, um, on that. So I might revisit this one next week about the Austin versus Goldberg after seeing that. Because maybe they talked about how they think it would have gone down. Um, so I think I'll give that a listen. And, you know, I think that this is part one of Austin versus Goldberg. Um. Because, yeah, I think this could be a really interesting thing um, with the new what-ifs. So, um, at least that's what I think for right now. But I'm going to do some more research, and then we'll find out. Um, I'll find out if I still feel the same way next week. Um, so I'm going to write a part two next to that for next week's notes. All right. Um, that doesn't mean I'm like, I don't have one for next week. I have a great one I could do next week, but I'm not doing it yet because I, I still think there's more to explore with Stone Cold and Goldberg. So, all right. So this week's Tales from Wrestling stuff is the first time I ever stepped in a wrestling ring. All right. Technically, it happened when I was 15, but I wasn't supposed to. Um, I was at a show right here in Fitchburg at the Wallace Civic Center. I was sitting outside on the apron because it was intermission. And I kind of went in the ring and I went to try to sit in the corner like Raven. Uh, They're like, I think I was like halfway in the ring. They're like, don't go in the ring. I was like, all right. Well. 15 years later, I finally got the chance to step in a ring. And um, it's to meet Cody Rhodes in Woburn, Mass. at chaotic. I never thought the first time I'd step in a ring is a chaotic ring. Um, but... Because it was funny because I had gotten Cody's... I got my picture with Cody the month before when Chaotic brought him to Haverhill um, for Cold Fury where he faced Brick Mass Stone. Um, I got my picture with him then, but I was like, I've never had a picture in the ring with any wrestlers. Or I've never been in a ring. So I was like, I got to get a picture with him again because this time it's in a ring. And you know what? I'm going to get an autograph because why not? And then he was selling the Bullet Club style T-shirt he had from when he's, you know, from his first American Nightmare shirt. So 
I got the the triple package there. I'm getting ready to step in the ring and my foot gets caught on the bottom rope, my right foot, and I almost face plant if it wasn't not for that little tiny coffee this little end table that Kofi ha uh, Cody had all his 8x10s on. And, uh, you know, he laughed at me a little bit. And it was funny. And I was like, yeah, figures the first time I get in the ring, something like that, try oh, something happens. I'm like, glad that was there to catch my fall. Otherwise, I would have face-planted. And uh, we get the picture. He's like, now, be careful getting out of the ring. So couple months later he shows up at another chaotic he goes you look familiar i'm like yeah i'm the guy that tripped on the bottom rope and he chuckled he goes oh yeah it's you so i think that's going to be my ongoing gag with cody rhodes um although he did sign my fuck the revival sign for free which was really cool i still have that sign because it doesn't say fuck the revival it does but instead of the you in fuck I put a bullet club skull and he goes, Oh, thank you for keeping it PG. And he goes over signs. It. I'm like, how much do I do for that? He goes, nothing. And, um, that was like three years. It was, it was like August of 2017. Um, but yeah. So every day, ever since then, whenever I get in the ring to take a picture, I just roll under the bottom rope, completely under the bottom rope. And people ask, why do you do that? I'm like, I tripped on the bottom rope. They're like, one time they were like, oh, can you just go in through the bottom, like under the second rope? And uh, I'm like, you gotta, you're holding it, right? Because I'm going to trip over that thing. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll hold it for you. So that is the only way I enter a ring nowadays for the most part is I roll under the bottom rope because I don't want to trip on the bottom rope trying to go under the second rope so um i'd like to climb the ropes like crash holly used to i won't lie that's the day i get to do that i don't know that would be this that would be like just as good as winning the lottery is the day i get to crash holly climb the ropes and um but yeah, that's the first time I ever got into a wrestling ring, and it didn't happen until I was 30. You figured, oh, it, with all your wrestling stuff, how did it not happen earlier? It's like, well, there was a there was a period of time where I didn't know about indie shows. There was like a 10-year absence from indie shows because I just didn't know how to find out about them, and they weren't coming around where I was living. Um, there was one in Gardner when I lived there, but it was the same weekend I usually hung out with my friends. And I was like, they're not going to want to go to that. And I just don't want to go. Um, although I kind of regret not going. But they have shows in Gardner now regularly. And um, it's a new company out there called Zero One USA Northeast. I think I've talked about it a few times, but um, I, like, I like those shows. They're nice little kind of i don't know it's an up-and-coming company but definitely has a lot of potential going forward um and i haven't missed one yet and the plan is to go to every single one as long as i possibly can so um they have shows in gardner now 
And yes, I usually get in the ring by rolling under the bottom rope for their special events. Although this show, um, I don't know if I'm going to be doing the VIP thing because I already got my front row tickets. So um, it'd be silly to buy another ticket just to do the VIP thing because it's just a picture with whoever the first ever champion is. Who's to say I'm not going to try? I mean, I might be able to get a picture with the champion or I would already have my picture, but. As long as I, if I get to hold the belt, that's a different story. Because I do like that belt. It's a nice title. Oh, Apple software update. I'm not using it because uh, my laptop is from 2011. And it's dying. Well, it, it, I shouldn't say dying, but it's uh, no longer supported. So, all right. So that's my story on the first time I was in a wrestling ring. and It was in Woburn, Massachusetts. It was in April of 2017. Um, but, yeah. That's kind of what happens with wrestling. So, there's always awkward moments, funny moments. And then you look back at it and go, <laughs> that's a good story. But... Um, there's other stories, you know, I, I gotta figure out next week's story, but I don't know yet. I, I'm really trying to figure out a really good one. Um, if I can't have Tales from Wrestling stuff, I'll have Tales from Convention stuff, because I go to a lot of conventions, so something always, something random always happens to me at a convention, so I definitely have more stories of that. And, um, so if there's, if, if I don't do Tales from Wrestling stuff one week, it'll be Tales from Convention stuff. But usually there's a wrestler at a convention, so. There will be a Tales from Wrestling stuff at a convention. Um, and now this week's Movie Badass Failure. We revisit Star Wars, believe it or not. We look into the prequel trilogy. I know what you're thinking. He's going to say Jar Jar Binks, isn't he? Nope. As much as I dislike Jar Jar Binks, and trust me, I dislike Jar Jar Binks. Um, but it's just because he's not important to the, the series. You know, like I like, the important characters. I do like characters that are, you know, supporting characters. But see, he didn't really last the whole prequel trilogy. He had a bit part. You know, he, he was minimized in, what was it, episode two. And then in three, I think you just see him. And maybe he says something once or twice. But, you know, other than that, he's... Um, you know, just not really memorable. I mean, he was memorable in Phantom Menace, yes, but he's not a movie badass failure because he's not a badass either. You know, he's just a comic relief character. A movie badass failure is someone that is built up to be this alleged badass and then just fails to deliver on screen. And so... It's not from Phantom Menace. It's not from Re Revenge of the Sith. Although there is somebody that 
could be considered. Um, but see, that could change very easily because I might be watching Clone Wars. I originally wasn't going to just because it wasn't live action Star Wars. It's just a CGI Star Wars. So I originally wasn't going to watch it, but I hear it's actually connected with the movies and they're actually proper. They're called, you know, they're canon. So, and they're on Disney plus. So I have that and there's a lot of episodes. So plenty of Star Wars stuff to keep me entertained. Um, but no, the failure is Jango Fett because his father was, I mean, his son was Boba Fett. Um, and look how he turned out in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, that was pretty bad. <laughs> but then we get a glimpse at his father in the prequel trilogy, but only one movie, which is Attack of the Clones. And I remember seeing the figure commercials about all the Star Wars toys coming out for Attack of the Clones. And I was like, oh, it almost looks like Jango Fett's going to kill Mace Windu. And I was like, oh, if he does that, that's a pretty big deal. Well, as we learned in the Mandalorian series on Disney+, Plus, is that when you're a Mandalorian, um, you are to never remove your helmet. Because once you take it off in front of other people, you can never put it on again. Well, Jango Fett takes his helmet off numerous times in Attack of the Clones. So he's already broken the code of the Mandalorian right there. So that's a failure in itself. Um, the only thing he did that was remotely any bit badass was when he killed his own bounty hunt he he hired another bounty hunter to kill Padme to help him and Zan I think that was her name was about to tell her tell Obi-Wan and Anakin who put her up to it and then he killed her and had a little bit of a fight scene with Obi-Wan on Kamino um but went toe to toe with Mace Windu got his head cut off and you see little kid Boba Fett holding the helmet against his head. And we know what's going to happen, but we also know he's going to fail just like his father. Um, so, yeah, and I like the actor that played Jango Fett. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But, you know, this guy was supposed to be badass that they cloned him. Because that's how good he was. He was like, oh, well, let's clone this dude to make an army. Imagine an army of this guy running shit. And the original gets his head cut off. I mean, granted, it was against Mace Windu. And that was played by Samuel L. Jackson. And you don't fuck with Samuel L. Jackson. You know, you, you don't get away with it easily, you know. Although I think there was some movies where he does meet his end pretty prematurely, but. Um, and he usually says, motherfucker. <laughs> but, yeah. So, he he was this week's movie, badass, failure. The, which was Django Fett. But, you know, we shouldn't have known he was going to be 
equally as upsetting as Boba Fett because everyone talks about how badass Boba Fett is, but if all you watch is the movies, he's not. He's a glorified stormtrooper. Um, which I suppose makes sense because his father was the base for owning the clone troopers. Um, so, yeah. Jango Fett was this week's movie badass failure. Um, and then our last note. And look, I don't even think we're going to make it to 145 on this one, so. Um, the movie, the Mortal Kombat mobile character that started on Thursday, that'll end this Thursday, is Flaming Fist's Liu Kang, which is Liu Kang when he's older in the um, Mortal Kombat X timeline, even though that look for Liu Kang was never in the game storyline-wise. It was a what-if Liu Kang was good, but he's older. Um, they did it with Kung Lao as well. He had an older version, an older Revenant. Not Revenant, but he had an alternate skin. So, um, Because, you know, Johnny Cage, he was middle-aged Johnny Cage, so they had to have middle-aged Liu Kang and Kung Lao. So, um, Because Jax got brought back, so he aged. And then, um, yeah. So, but they, but in MKX, they're like, well, let's give Liu Kang and Kung Lao that new look. Let's see how they'd look with it. And they did all right, you know. But, so it's that Liu Kang. I got him Saturday, I want to say. Yeah. And, uh. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, the most important thing to know is on the last tower, you have to have Devora on your team. So if you have a decent Devora, definitely bring her in there. Or if you have one you want to really level up, use her, but put her on number three. So you don't... And she'll gain a lot of experience if she's not that high-leveled yet you know, put her up against that fifth tower, she'll gain experience really fast. Um, that's one way I grind new characters when it says, so sometimes I just go through the traditional towers too. I just do ones I've already beaten, but with different characters to level them up. But yeah. So I got Liu Kang, but I already had that card. So he fused to a, a one tier now, or he's just got a Roman numeral of one above him now. So, I'm trying to work on my Diamond MK11 Sub-Zero because I actually fused him once and I didn't realize it. So, I think I can get another Diamond MK11 Sub-Zero. I think. Um, and then he'd be a two. And then I might be able to finally beat the Classic Reptile Challenge once I level that Sub-Zero up enough, which... So far, he's pretty good, but him with my level four Shirai Ryu Takeda um, and one of my level X silver, um, probably Kenshi is my best one. I think it's balanced Kenshi. Um, can't tell you off the top of my head, but I always just call him Keanu Reeves. And um, yeah. So 
All right. That's it for this week. Um, I don't have any wrestling to watch. Um, at the moment. I mean, Royal Rumble was quite a fill last night, so... Um, I'm all caught up on AEW. Uh, I'm glad that Moxley finally... They had a rematch between Moxley and Pac. Because you guys knew I was complaining about that for ever since they had that time limit draw bullshit. I'm glad that... And I I thought they were going to end it on a time limit draw again. And I was going to be like, if you fucking do it, I am done. Um, Thankfully... They ended it. And Moxley got the win. He's the number one contender, which we kind of knew was going that way anyways. Um, some cool stuff happened, though, on the Jericho cruise ship episode. Um, the tag titles switched hands. Um, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega are the tag champs. But it looks like Hangman Page is breaking away from the elite more and more. Um, he kind of hit the Young Bucks with the jab like... Um, you know, I'm surprised you guys didn't win these before us because they're doing like an alcoholic hangman page angle right now where he's drinking too much and he's distancing himself from his friends. So I see the story arc coming there. Um, it's just very, very dangerous when you use alcoholism as a storyline. I mean, look what happened with Scott Hall. And that's what I'm worried about is I hope hangman is able to do this professionally and he doesn't actually have a problem, and he doesn't develop a problem. Um, but I don't think that should be a problem with a guy like him. And AEW seems like they would definitely cancel the storyline if it looked like a problem. Um, so I do like that direction that that story's taking, and it looks like Kenny Omega is going to be dealing with the Dark Order. Um as well as he gets that rubber match with um, Pac. Because he won one. Kenny won one. So, you know, Pac's been messing with Kenny to get that match. So, I imagine Kenny will go over. Um, I don't know. I can't imagine him not if the Dark Order is now trying to mess with him. So, it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, so this wraps up this week's episode, and, yep, we avoided going to 145. Um, oh, yeah, I remember how I'm ending it every week now. Good night, and good night, everyone, and remember, that's life. <laughs>